0: We'll get back together. What we're going to do uh, today, I want to help us. Um, we're jumping into the middle of a book of the Bible, and that's a bit tricky. So I wanted to help us get a bit of context on what we did last year, and so we're going to get a bit of an overview. We're not going to watch the whole video, but we'll watch about four or five minutes of it. Um, give us a, the context of the whole book of James um, with the Bible Project video on James. What I want you, want, what I want you to do as you. Um, uh, watch this video is just think about what is James trying to accomplish uh, and how do how do we get that so that we can be prepared for the rest of the series. And I'm also showing it to you because w- one of the things I think um, we all struggle with is confidence in reading the Bible. And when we have uh, great tools and people helping us get the context of it and the bigger picture of it, it really gives us more confidence to read it for ourselves. And so I want to help you um, in doing that um, over the time as well. So, Uh, Have a, have a watch of this video and this will be a way of preparing us for getting, jumping straight into chapter three of James.
1: Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water.
0: Hopefully you gather. Today's pretty challenging. (laughs) None of us can avoid the challenge this passage brilliantly does for us. So why don't I ask God to help us? And we'll we'll get stuck into it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can come before you and hear your word. And so we ask now, as we've heard James read, we thought about the context that you will challenge us, that you'll pierce our hearts and minds, particularly in the way that we speak. Amen. So how would you describe your speech? How would you describe the type of speech that you give to people? Usually we don't say, oh, you know, the way I speak, I'm really vindictive and I'm really bitter and I'm really crass and I'm really rude the way I speak to people because we don't really like to say that we speak negatively to people. I might say at the most negative way that the way I speak is is that sometimes I'm creative with the words that I choose because those words don't exist Yes, Carola laughs because she's actually writing a list of the words that I make up when I preach apparently and she's got a copy of them somewhere. You can ask her about them. Words have power. And today we're thinking about that in our series. And while we might not describe our speech in negative ways, they certainly can be and they can have devastating effects. And so we're going to continue our series, a series that we called last year, Don't Just Sit There, because as um, it really that, that video is really helpful, the way it was said, it, James is getting in your business, I love that. He's getting in your business saying, you are a follower of Jesus, this is a God community, this is the, what a God community should look like and you've got lots of challenges before you, here we go with all, that, with all the different things that he outlines. And you can't do that if you just think the Christian life is just sitting in a pew on Sunday or reading a book in a nice lounge at home or just reading the Bible by yourself. That's just sitting there when a life of true faith that trusts in Jesus lives it out. And so our series, we've got three little chapters. We've been doing big topical series recently and we've been doing um, all sorts of Uh, other other kind of topics now we're nailing into just a little part of the bible over a few weeks because there's so much in it and today we're going to challenge ourselves with words because what James is doing he's combining the wisdom of his brother Jesus as we saw in that outline with the book of Proverbs in his own challenging call to live a life wholly devoted to God He's presuming that the Christian community has the word planted in them, the word that gives life, Jesus' death and resurrection. He presumes is the case, so that community will wrestle with how it is to live out. And so we left off with faith, trusting in Jesus, always comes with deeds. Otherwise it's dead. So as soon as he says, you've got faith and you've got actions that always come with it, what comes next? Our passage today. Your tongue. Words. The way followers of Jesus talk about people shows their hearts and core values. Words do reveal a truth about character, don't they? And so we're thinking about as we've called this today, mere words, they're not just mere words, actually, are they? They are words that can build up or shoot down. What's that famous cliche, which is that absolute rubbish related to words? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what a load of rubbish, right? <laughs> we know if you spent any time with someone tearing you down with their words, that... They hurt and they're destructive. And James is pointing out how destructive they can be and how it should not be. But before we go any further, I want to encourage you to do it. I had to actually stop and do it myself as I was working this week on it. As I think about words, what naturally happened for me, and it's to my, you know, I think on one way, my uh, error, is I went quickly to how people have spoken to me spoken badly to me. Well, I want us today to focus on how we, how you, can speak. Because that's what the challenge is, isn't it? And so, before he goes any further, we're talking about words, it's really interesting who he goes on to talk about straight away. Have a look in verse 1 on the screen. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. See, teachers use words to teach. And the reality is, teachers are culture setters. Some really influentially, some not so much. But when you get up in a group of people and you teach something, you're shaping things. And the tongue is how you do it. So if you've got a problem with your tongue... Don't get up and teach. We take it seriously. I, I, as you know, if you've been coming to Grove, I'm fairly relaxed kind of guy. I like to joke around, but don't let that fool you. When it comes to God's Word, it's taken seriously. No one gets to come up and open up God's Word and say what the Bible doesn't say—that Jesus didn't die, from, that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, or that it doesn't matter in your life. Because words matter. There's a lot to wrestle with that passage in that verse actually about the whole judging thing. But let me just quickly say, what James is saying here is not that, well, teachers actually get judged differently to Christians and actually it's not about whether you're saved by grace and Jesus dying for you. That is still the case, but the reality is we are still responsible for our actions. We're not robots once we're saved and God doesn't care what we do. We should honour God. And there is a sense in which there's like a little, little j, if you like, in which teachers should be wary of. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, if, you, if you do a party, you um, escape through the flames as a teacher. And so, why would you start with teachers? Well, it's because everyone has this struggle. And teachers are influential. Everyone has this struggle. So he kind of gets a bit cheeky, I reckon, in verse 2. And he says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Oh, but there might be some Some of you are pretty good at it. You're actually perfect at it. You don't have any problems with your body. You guys are great. So if any of you are here, seriously, you can go. You don't need to be here for any of it because I've got nothing to give you. Okay? This is for those who aren't perfect. And we all stay. That is the challenge for us. And so we get in, uh, we get into James and we have a look at what he, how he wants to describe it. And as a preacher it's one of, one of those great passages because I don't really have to think of illustrations this week because they're all in the passage. Did you notice when we read it? Um, pull up James um, if you haven't got it in front of you. you can run it, grab a Bible at the back if you haven't. I'm just pulling it up now too. Uh, let me get it in front of you. should have done this before I got up. That's okay. Let me get there. It's a ch- What number? There it is. Good. Okay. Now, let me ask you, first of all, what is this? Can anyone tell me what this is? Sorry? Shackle. A shackle? Yeah? It's a, it's a bit. A bit for what? Horse. A horse. You put it in a horse and that little thing, that little thing means you can direct a horse where to go. Just that little thing like this. What's that bottom bit on that on that there it's a rudder <laughs> thank you Sheridan. You can just pick the buttons and don't say things out loud, please at the moment. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is a rudder what's a rudder do? It steers a big boat. The little thing has a massive influence, and what James says to us about our words is it's a tool that is used to teach disproportionate to the influence of its size it's a little thing but its influence is massive and it can be really really destructive like these things here that can be influenced by something little this little thing here has a massive impact and so we need to consider this further we see whatever way we think about it the christian community will be affected by how we all use this thing in front of our in the middle of our faces whether we speak about god and build up each other or tear each other down this little thing will send us on a path words have shaped our world not always for good Hitler was convinced that the spoken word is how you can shape society. That's what he said. Not even just the written word, the spoken word for him, which is interesting. And then other times in society, we've had big changes from big speeches. You've got Martin Luther King's speech. You've got the Gettysburg Address, which have shaped the idea, the Gettysburg Address in America, that all men are created equal. Massive impact on society shaped culture the tongue shapes where we head and so just like these things let's have a look at what he says after these illustrations likewise the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts for good or for bad for sensationally helpful for devastatingly wicked And so he wants us to consider further, when you speak, what you say. And so he gives us another illustration. And this illustration we see, we know all too well in Australia and in Adelaide, the devastation of a forest fire. It's destructive. Everything in its path gets destroyed. Houses get burnt down. Trees are gone, lives can be lost, animals' habitat destroyed. Samson flat not that long ago, very close to us. But that's not where it starts. It doesn't just start with this massive, massive uh, forest fire, does it? It starts more like this. A little spark, a little flame. That one word that sets you on a direction of destruction that ends up back like that. That is what he's saying in in chapter 3, verse 5. Have a look at uh, verse uh, 5b. He says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. We've considered it. Now, as we apply it to the tongue... We read, the tongue also is a fire. Your tongue can destroy and be destructive like a bushfire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Seriously, James, (laughs) he's getting pretty intense, right? I think he's trying to make a significant point, a point that we're constantly challenged by. Lives can be built up, but more specifically, so quickly and easily brought down. Now, the reality is for every one word of praise, sorry, every, every one negative word of put down, you need so many more words of praise. When we hear a negative word, we quickly jump onto it. When we hear a word of praise, we kind of let them pass by. We need to consider how destructive we can be. I could, by my words I reckon, destroy our church community if I so choose, chose to. I could systematically go around and talk to you about other people and say, do you know what so-and-so's did? I could lie about it. I could just tell things that other people shouldn't know and gossip even if it's true. I could get up the front now and say, Bob, I can't believe you stole from work last week and now, you, now you're coming here and you're stealing our money from the plate and Bob's not even here this week. And I just keep on getting more and more deceptive in the way that I speak. Or, you know, we can. T- I could t- easily destroy our community if I wanted to use my words in a destructive way, I reckon. But we can eat away at it slowly and a little bit by little bit if we don't seek to build up and we seek to put down. The tongue itself set on fire by hell. Harsh words but helpful words because what it's reminding us is that Satan loves it when we use our words in a negative way. He loves it when we use our words to bring people down, to be destructive, because that's his way. There's more too for us to consider. You see, we need to consider... like. Uh, this uh, picture in in the outline that we had, that we're not to be two-faced. It's horrendous when people are two-faced. Society generally doesn't like it. We know generally we don't like it. When the Christian community does it, when we praise God and curse others, it's shocking. And to make this point, he talks about taming animals. We have been described as people who can tame animals. Like this picture here, I kind of feel like that cheetah, even though it's an actual photo, I still feel like at some point it's just going to jump out and attack that lady. But we've had the capacity to tame all sorts of animals. But the tongue isn't like that. Look at verse 7 and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and they've been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Our tongue cannot be patted like that cheetah. Our tongue is a poison. We can catch the animals, we can put them behind bars or in a lovely habitat and go and visit them. We can go and catch the animals and slit their throats and put them on the table to eat. But with that very tongue that we use to eat the animal, we cannot tame it. Churches are often destroyed by scandal, by sexual scandal, relationship scandals, by money, but sometimes churches aren't destroyed by scandal, they're just fundamentally dysfunctional because the people are really struggling to talk well with each other. When there are gossiping rules in the name of, I think you should need to know this, or when... Or when someone has been hurt by someone else and instead of seeking grace and forgiveness, we seek to complain about it and make it known how badly we've been treated. James is going full on in this passage because he wants us to see verse 9, as I've already mentioned. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings have been made in God's likeness. It's just crazy that we're like that, isn't it? Eternity is going to be good when that's no longer the case. But seeing we're not there, we need to continue to own up to the fact we get this wrong and seek to change. So more imagery comes through in this passage more imagery comes through, uh, in, in, uh, this next little bit in saying it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be just like a spring water can't be fresh and salt water at the same time. You can't have both. It's either fresh or it's either salt. You can't have a, a fruit tree have different fruits on the one tree. Forget the whole genetic splicing and all that kind of thing, right? Just, you can't, you can't have it. We've got, I think, six fruit trees on our, um, on our, at our house. But we don't go to the tree and pull it down. Oh, look, it's a lemon today. Oh, it's an orange today on that tree. No, we go to different trees and you've got oranges on one, lemons on another. God's people use their mouths to praise him, not the next day go to work and slander those they're working with. This should not be, he says in verse 10, my brothers and sisters, This should not be. So I want us to spend a reasonable time in this passage, uh, in reflection on this, considering an honest assessment of ourselves. If you'll do that with me, I want you to go away today humbly acknowledging where you need to change your words. So hopefully the passage highlights that for you and as we reflect on it to, for the rest of our time, take some things away to challenge yourself. Uh, someone was telling me that uh, a mother of a friend of theirs always says when the kids are talking, stop, halt and consider why you're saying this. Is it because... Of all these things going on, are you tired, are you angry, or whatever it is? Or are you the type of person who just says and lets it fly out? See, as we consider how we're to be, an honest assessment, consider God. Consider when Jesus uses his words and how he uses them. Jesus uses words to bring life. Not destruction. God speaks, the world is made. Jesus comes and he is the word become flesh. He gives spiritual life to that that is dead. But he didn't just come and speak over and over and over again, did he? There are times when he used his tongue by not speaking and humbly facing those that were his enemies consider the time jesus in front of pontius pilate that's the time for jesus to stand up and say i am the king of kings you are just my creation who are you to think that you rule over me you're even just a petty little kind of governor of a region of rome in a little backwater place who do you jesus humbly took What was before him? He's being whipped, crown of thorns on his head. He walks to the cross with the cross. He goes up on the cross and he holds his tongue, except for that point where he's at the point of death and he uses his words to say, Father, forgive them. How spectacular! Is our God. He is the one who shows us how to use our words. We have life because he came and did that. If you're wrestling with where life is to be found, it's with Jesus who died for you. Our tongue in all of our life, we live to serve him because he's done that. That's the challenge for you to consider if you don't know Jesus. So if we're going to be more like Jesus and we're not God, we're not perfect, we have times when we struggle, what are some risk factors? What are some things in our life that make it harder to speak well? I came up with a few up on this diagram here if you can see them. I think at moments in life when one or a combination of these things are going in for us the poisonous evil tongue is more likely to rear its head but there's one there's a couple more on there as well i thought of this morning as well one is a a word that um i don't know if jen made it up if i made it up and other people know this word anyway but i get hangry all the time do you get hangry when I get angry I don't speak very well that is to say when I'm hungry and I get angry I don't I'm not pleasant to be around and I don't say nice words when we're lonely when you're lonely and then you encounter someone and they haven't been nice to you it's really really hard to speak well and those that I came up with this week as I was thinking about it man when you're exhausted it's just hard to do anything never mind speak a kind word how do you deal with your exhaustion with your speech when you're stressed in all sorts of stresses of life it's easy to lash out because you've got this thing that you've got to deal with and something else has come up and you can't deal with it so just leave me alone when you're time poor you don't have time to have a proper conversation with someone you're at work and you've got this job to do your boss is expecting it and someone comes to you with another problem and you're just like i don't have time for this leave me alone sort it out yourself And you speak harshly to them. Frustration. Maybe as a parent and you're frustrated with your kids and you speak a harsh word to them, even though you should discipline, but you don't do it well because you're so frustrated. We can be emotionally fragile for all sorts of ways. We can be... Uh, struggling with our feelings and emotions it could even be because we're struggling with some kind of uh, mental illness where our head's not in the right place and it's so hard to just even get thoughts clear together and when it's hard to do that our words can be bitter and harsh. Perceived mistreatment I say perceived mistreatment because when it comes to what words we say out, it's irrelevant whether you have been mistreated or not. But when we perceive that we're mistreated, do you go out on the attack? Do you seek to tear others down? Do you want that revenge with your strong words? How do you do this with your family? How do you do this at work? How do you do this at school, at uni? Any context, when you've been mistreated, you get your back up and fire back. Any of these moments, and if you've got a few of them going on at once, it's a cocktail of just hard to speak godly words. I encourage you to own them, to be aware of them, to not let them be an excuse. That was the hardest to put together in this whole talk because of such a personal rebuke it was for me. I hope it challenges you and you don't leave that behind. But not only should we think about the risk factors, we should think about actually the words that we say. And so like that first, that picture I've already put up there and that this should not be, how can we say praise God and you idiot? I want to encourage you to consider to deal with your capacity to be hypocritical. we can be hypocritical in all sorts of ways, but for God's people who have embraced the life that he has given us, how could we speak of him today, praise him? We've already sung songs that speak of God's greatness. He's the lion and the lamb. The throne room at the end in all all eternity where we we see, we declare how mighty he is. We encourage one another. We might enjoy um, a a cup of coffee and morning tea later and then we go to work tomorrow and we get to our desk and our boss tears strips on us and we go looking for someone else to blame and tearing strips on them. God's people have always struggled with this. Israel's king of kings, the king that all other kings are modelled on, had massive flaws, didn't he, King David? King David has a book of psalms. Nearly a lot of them, if not many of them, most of them are ascribed to him as being written or him commissioning. All those psalms, psalms of praise and worship to God and with that same mouth, he sent his uh, officials to take the guy whose wife he wanted to sleep with to the front to get killed. The same mouth did both those things. God's prophet Nathan Nathan brought him up on it. We cannot be like that. We can praise God and trash talk others, but actually also, I want you to consider this for a moment as well. we can praise God and also trash talk ourselves. It's hypocritical of us to praise God and knowing that we're made in the image of God and as redeemed Christians being loved and blessed by Him to then constantly put ourselves down and to speak negatively of ourselves. This isn't jumping into the whole pop psychology of you've just got to believe in yourself and be a better person and focus on yourself first. But there is an element where god has treasured us and so we're to see ourselves as treasured by god and not to mock his the thing that he loves us what do you say about yourself if you keep telling yourself you're rubbish the way speech works you'll convince yourself of it more and more what we say shapes who we are and what we do shapes what we say they're not independent what about the people you love if you were to think about it and i wonder sometimes it's hard to remember them because they're so hurtful we kind of block them out maybe but it's those you love have you said a harsh word to that you deeply regret a quick word to husbands Make sure your wife hears loving words from you and not harsh words. It's a constant disgrace when men treat their women disrespectfully as God's people. Kind words is what God's men are supposed to be like. And as we think about it, what kind of words could they be? Well, can you use sarcasm, do you use sarcasm to poison slowly a relationship? You hide behind a problem by using sarcasm to make it a real dig. In Australia, because we like that humour, it's actually really hard for us to distinguish between the, the, the sarcasm like, I suppose, like James was using in verse 2 and actually I'm using it because I'm kind of getting away with it because I can just say it's a joke but actually what I'm doing is bringing you down. Unsupportive words. When someone asks you for your thought and you think, well, that's absolutely rubbish. How could you possibly think like that? Disrespectful words. Wives, your husbands would love you to cherish them with your words and to know that you... Cherish being their wife. Comparing words. The disaster of Facebook and the words we type on a screen. The biggest problem with Facebook is and Instagram, um, actually they've shown that some, in some ways Instagram's worse uh, than Facebook in this way, that we constantly are comparing ourselves to others and then the words that we say in light of that are destructive. Selfish words. I want someone to meet my needs now. I want this. I want that. I want this. We can't be hypocritical. Which one of those do you think you really need to pick up on? Do you have words that you need to go to a loved one or someone you work with and you need to genuinely apologise for, despite how they're going to respond to it? Do you need a massive overhaul? Because it's not okay how we speak to others behind their back. Uh, it's why the context, oh, i show you before and giving the James the whole context, seeing that the book has all these different points all through it and it's not linear, helps me see that actually he brings these up later as well. In chapter um, uh, 4, verse 11, he says, "'As you know, we can as bless those who have persevered. "'You have heard of, of uh, Job's perseverance.'" And it's seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and above mercy. Sorry, I'm reading chapter 5. <laughs> I was going to get to the next, the third one, but that's right. That did not make any sense. So let's go to chapter 4, verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not... Oh, there you go. That's much better, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judge or judges them speaks against the law and, judge, and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? He's saying deal with deal with how you speak about others. You know, gossiping we so convince ourselves half the time when we're speaking that we're not gossiping, so it's okay. That if we own up to what gossiping is, speaking about others that will destroy them and bring them down and be hurtful because of the way it will insidiously um, get back to them or uh, turn other people against them or that if they were here you wouldn't say it, we've constantly got to battle that. We all gossip. You know, sometimes people get labelled as gossips. Some people may have a bigger struggle with it than others. But the reality is every single person in this room has... I reckon, struggled at one point, got it wrong at one point. When you have an issue with with a loved one, do you know, do you bring it up with them and speak in a right way or do you go and then talk to another loved one and just constantly complain about them in a the way that's destructive? The problem with any workforce is you need to succeed in what you're doing, and so does the person next to you. And if you're doing the same thing, you both can't succeed. And so, the challenge to talk about that person, to bring them down, so that you can succeed, is there in subtle ways. It's the same at uni when you are when you've got exams or when you're competing against others in your course or you. You're, this constant struggle to talk about others. It's hard. We should consider how we speak about uh, speak about others when we're not speaking with them. It's not good to kind of become the Lord of all and judge others as if you don't have a plank in your own eye. This isn't talking about right discipline and helping people correct their ways and doing things in a godly way this is about this high and mighty look at the sin that they're doing and we're not doing or how they've done this and can you believe that there's a very big difference this is a really challenging (laughs) day today isn't it but it's helpful because god God will continue to transform us. His Spirit will continue to change us and grow our community if we commit to not being like this and to praising Him and honouring and building up. And so we get to chapter 5, verse 12 and where we did a bit with the kids. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Let your yes mean yes. How important is truth telling to you? In principle, probably for most of us, it's really important. When the rubber hits the road at times, it's just easier to lie sometimes, to get out of trouble, to avoid the mistakes we've made, to get ahead in life. When was the last time you said the easy word that was a lie instead of dealing with the struggles that we have? Facebook, again, you know what's not a very helpful button on Facebook? The maybe button. It's not a yes or a no, it's just a maybe. And so often the question is, can you do this? And people need to know whether you can do this because so many things depend upon it and you've gone maybe. Well, thanks a lot. I've got no idea what to do with that now. Yes be yes, no be no. If you're not sure, engage with them. Man, this is not talking about the idea, uh, you know, if you're asked a question on, do I, do I look big in this? Oh, I'm a truth teller now, sorry. No, that's not what, it's, not, it's not a justification in being harsh. All right? What we're thinking about is how we can love in truth telling, how we can be reliable. Are you a reliable person in your words? Or are you the kind of person that constantly says, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. You want me to do that? Yeah, we'll get to that. And you don't even think of it again. Or you do think of it, but you don't get to it when someone needs it. I struggle with that sometimes. Or are you the type of person, you get confidential information, we all at some point get some sort of confidential information. Yeah, of course, it's confidential. But then you talk to someone, You don't tell anyone this because it's really confidential. (laughs) And the next person, don't tell anyone this because it's really confidential. Oh look, it's come back to me. That was really confidential. It doesn't work that way. Do we care enough about honouring God that we use our mouths to build each other up? There's so many things that can be said, isn't there? I mean, one practical just popped into my head. Um, Christmas in July is coming up. Um, we'll mention a bit later as well. Um, there's a lot of food that needs to be bought for that. Have you ever considered when you run an event, if you don't tell people you're coming to the last minute, it really puts the, the event in a bit of struggle. So you've got to, am I coming? Yes. Am I coming? No. Am I bringing someone? I'm not sure if they're going to come, but this is who I've invited. Doing that is actually helpful. Encouraging people. actually commit and when we when we do commit with our words we follow through you see there's only one who praises god all the time there's only one who sees his father and honors him in every single moment there is only one who instead of talking behind others back died on a cross for those who were talking behind his. There is only one who is perfectly faithful and when he made a promise with his words he always keeps them. Heavenly Father today we have a day we ask you by your spirit to convict us to shape our words to change our words to see our lord and savior jesus and to be shaped by him it's a great joy to come and sing praises together don't let help us not let the same mouth speak destruction to others and father when we get it wrong give us the grace the kindness to forgive to seek forgiveness we thank you for the book of james we thank you for the challenge we've had today and as we look at over the coming weeks help us not to just sit in our chairs but to be transformed into a community that wants to love you and our neighbours. In Jesus' name, amen.